Thank you for listening to The Luminous Mind. Remember to subscribe to our free podcast so you won't miss any of our illuminating content. Here is episode 233. So I guess that's one thing is just realizing through my own experience how many options there are. And now that I'm on the other side of things, I have a new perspective. Benjamin Franklin once said, Do not curse the darkness, rather light a candle instead. If you're ready to set your mind on fire, then prepare yourself for the Luminous Mind with your host, Rebecca Bowman. Today's fire starter is Elizabeth Langs. Elizabeth lives in Chattanooga, Tennessee area and is a former public school teacher of seven years in grades K through five. She grew tired of the assessments, requirements, lack of respect from students and parents, paperwork, observations, and everything else that comes with teaching today. She wanted something more, something that would fulfill her and bring the passion back that was gone for too long. Now she works for herself as an education consultant and hosts a podcast for kids. She's happy and stress-free in her new adventure and soaking in every moment. Welcome, Elizabeth. Hi, how are you? (laughs) It's so fun to have you join our podcast. I'm so excited to learn more about what you're doing with education consulting and your podcast and all of those things. But before we get into any of that, can you tell our audience a little bit more about yourself? Definitely. So I am originally from Michigan, grew up there, went to college there. Um, But right now I'm living in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And some things I really enjoy about living here, the weather. So I'm away (laughs) from snow. Um, I love to hike, paddleboard, camp, explore new places. And this has been a perfect fit for me. So I love being here in the mountains and have a great group of friends and have been here almost two years now. That's awesome. I thought Tennessee had rolling hills, so <laughs> it's nice to know. Do, well, I mean, if you're comparing it to like the Rockies, I think yeah. they would, we do have rolling hills, but to us, we call them mountains. <laughs> I live in the Rockies, so I totally, I totally yeah, get so that. So they are hills to you. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I'd love to hear more about your background and what led you to your life's mission and message. Of course, in your bio, we talk about how you were a former public school teacher, and I'd love to hear how that kind of worked into what you're doing now. Right. So my background is I taught in the public school system in Michigan, in North Carolina, and here in Tennessee. I taught for seven years, and within that seven years, I taught kindergarten, first grade, and most recently, I taught fifth grade. Over the years, I just grew to see that there were many things about the educational system that I didn't like, and it felt like the way that I saw it going was not something I wanted to be a part of anymore. I think public schools are a great fit for a lot of families. But for me, I just saw that not only were there increased requirements of teachers, but with that, there was also a huge lack of respect for teachers. Yeah. So, yeah, realistically, over probably the last three years, I had started to think, what else could I do? Um, I wanted to stay within the realm of working with families and children. I knew I didn't want a totally different career path and to suddenly become an accountant, but... (laughs) It took me some time to figure out what that would look like. So last year, I had 
probably the most difficult school year I've ever had. Um, and in a lot of ways, that was really great because it led me to seek other options because I was so unhappy. So I started working with a family and nannying for them part time. And while I was nannying for them, they were in the midst of starting to homeschool their two children. And they were, like most people new to homeschooling, incredibly overwhelmed, didn't have much support, didn't know where to begin. And so I naturally just started helping them along the way with choosing curriculum that would be a good fit and helping them create a schedule to meet all the requirements helping them with the legality of how that works in Tennessee. And the fact that I enjoyed doing that after being at school all day long spoke volumes to me. That piqued my interest and created this spark in me of, what if I just did this full time, if I could support families who are new to homeschooling and just need support and need help? And in here in Tennessee and Chattanooga, there's a very big homeschooling population. And a lot of that comes with the public schools here in Hamilton County, unfortunately, have a very poor reputation. And so a lot of people are seeking alternative options. So I knew I had a great opportunity to work with those kind of clients because of the area I'm in. So that sparked the idea and kind of created this new idea in my head of becoming a consultant who could help those families while they're trying to figure out what homeschooling looks like. And so end of the school year was my last year last year. And I took the leap of faith that it would work out, quit my job and started pursuing consulting. That's awesome. Well, and I think that's such an interesting thing because I know I've talked to different other people on my podcast about how, you know, when you're going through your educational schooling, they don't ever really talk about what you could do as an entrepreneur for educational right. means. And so I think like as a as an educator, I feel like there are a lot of people who really don't feel like they have an option other than right. to take a job that they're miserable at. And to I mean, I always see these memes of like, just really how teachers hate their jobs, you know, type of yeah. thing. And there aren't doing it. <laughs> yeah, but there aren't very many options. So I think that it's such a fresh air. Totally messed that up, but it's just, breath just of fresh air. a breath of fresh air. That's right. It's just such a breath of fresh air that you're able to kind of come out and see what you can do. I, th I feel like you could also be an educational consultant of how teachers can kind of take an entrepreneurial leap and still I don't really feel like like even if you homeschool I really feel like um, we can kind of mesh the two together you know where we can use professionals to help us through this journey but because of the internet I think there's so many options that maybe teachers don't explore because we really haven't pushed that entrepreneurial educational spirit with them what's your thoughts right. on that well, I definitely think that as a culture, I mean, there's so many elements, but I mean, when you have thousands of dollars in student loans and you have made this decision to commit to a career, the idea of quitting that job can sometimes come with shame. And when I say I quit my job, it was the best thing I ever did, but people could view that as like irresponsible and the fact that I didn't really have a backup plan, I was just completely counting on myself. And honestly, I just knew that God had a plan for me. But I think that you have so much debt when you go to school, if you take out loans, and then there's just this idea from previous generations who have dealt with, you know, 
some serious financial issues that when you commit to a job, it's supposed to be this lifelong thing. Yeah, you work there 30 years, you get the watch, you retire with a pension. (laughs) But realistically, how many people are unhappy with their jobs, but they're still there? So to me, that just wasn't something I could continue to do for my own sanity, my own health, my own well-being. So it almost felt like I really didn't have another choice. And I never saw myself as an entrepreneur. And so it just became this new identity that I didn't even know I had. And that's been a really cool thing to learn also. So yeah. yeah. Well, and I was listening to a Cato podcast. This is totally off the subject of where we were, where we're going, but we'll get back there. But I was listening to a Cato podcast yesterday that talked about how since 2008, a lot of local governments realize that they can't fulfill all the promises that they had. So even there isn't even the security that educators had back you know, back right. before, because they promised things that that maybe they couldn't deliver on. And I really right. feel like I mean, as far as gaining respect, I think you would gain more respect as an educational consultant than you do in the public school realm anymore. Because like you said, there's just a complete disrespect for educators and for what they can mm-hmm. provide. For sure. Right. So I'm hopeful that I, I have seen some especially some like bigger teachers on Instagram, like people who are doing teacher pay teachers are very much seeking something else. And there's some people who have quit their teaching jobs to do that. And they are doing a fantastic job. But there's just this stigma with quitting your job or leaving a classroom, especially that's like, how dare you? How could you do that? When in reality, I feel like I'm doing more meaningful work right now because I'm working so much more closely with a smaller group of families that I don't feel like what I'm doing is in any way less valuable because I've left the classroom. It feels like it's just as valuable, if not more so. Yeah. So I'm very happy with my decision and it's probably the best thing I've ever done, honestly. Well, like I said, I'd love to see us kind of mesh the ideas where we don't see each other as adversarials for sure. But I'd love to hear maybe some challenges that you've had along the way as you've started this consulting business as well as starting your podcast. And what do you feel like you've learned from those things? Well, so one of the first things that I didn't necessarily anticipate, but I very quickly ran into was the homeschool community is a very tight knit group because they're relying on other moms and other families for support. And so for me, I ran into some difficulty because I myself do not have children that I homeschool, nor was I homeschooled myself. So I've ran into a few people who kind of have challenged what I have to offer as far as experience goes. But for me, how I've kind of dealt with that is I'm an expert in early childhood education. That's what my degree is in and best practices of teaching. I've successfully taught for seven years in the classroom and have experienced a wide variety of children. So to me, my experience is not limited just because I don't homeschool and I do not have my, I was not homeschooled myself. So that was something I didn't anticipate experiencing. And I think once people get to know me and realize that I do have a lot to offer and do truly have the knowledge and experience, they pretty quickly trust me and know that I have good intentions and want them to be as successful as possible. And as far as my podcast goes, so my podcast is for kids. So what I learned is there are not many podcasts that are geared towards children. 
I've looked at some and honestly haven't been super impressed with the quality and the content of them. So I wanted to meet a need that I saw, and that was an audience that wasn't being addressed at all, which is children. So my podcast is unique because I'm taking what I did in the classroom being an interactive read aloud and applying it into a podcast form. So what I do is I choose a textbook, not a textbook, a chapter book, give people time to purchase it or find it at the library. We read it together chapter by chapter. I introduce vocabulary. I have some sort of teaching point, whether that be main idea, theme, character traits, figurative language. And then I end with some comprehension questions. And the purpose of that is not only to get kiddos who are reluctant readers or struggling readers or just disinterested to be excited again about reading. I also want to support families and show them what it looks like to take a book and really dig deep and see what can be taught within that book. So the books I've read. Yeah, that's a huge resource. I mean, for homeschooling families in particular, (laughs) they can have that extra person to bounce those ideas off kids for sure. Yeah, and I've really been trying to reach out to families that are doing, um, I don't know if you've heard that there's like road schooling is a form of homeschooling. So those people are already on the road and all they have to do is grab a book and listen along. So those are the people that I'm really hoping to meet with and work with as well. But so I've read um, Legend of Sleepy Hollow, Pinocchio, A Christmas Carol. I just read A Wrinkle in Time to get ready for the movie. And my most recent book was Velveteen Rabbit. So I have to choose books that are within the public domain so that I don't run into any copyright issues. But the only problems I've ran into with my podcast is, I guess, I didn't realize how big of a time commitment it was going to be, which I'm sure you can totally relate yeah. to. <laughs> yeah. um, but I would say from beginning to end of me choosing a book, reading it myself, finding all the vocabulary, looking for a teaching point, making all those questions, each episode honestly takes me probably a good, and then on top of that, you know, producing it, publishing it, takes a good two hours, if not more. Oh, yeah. Um, so... I I take breaks every now and then to kind of recharge and um, take a break and find a new book that I'm excited about. So right now, I just read Velveteen Rabbit, like I said, and I'll be picking up some new summer ideas. Um, So right now I'm taking a little break. I'm in between. But the good thing about podcasts, as you know, is you can always go back and listen to previous episodes. So if anyone's interested in going back and listening to Wrinkle in Time, if you haven't seen the movie, you can always go back and do that now, which is really cool. So, and the books are always way better anyway. So, yes, <laughs> so it's really of course. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Well, and I'd love to hear maybe how you feel like you've branded yourself. Um, you said that you ha- you found like this unique side of yourself. I'd love to hear mm-hmm. kind of a little bit more about that. That that maybe that inspiration that's kind of unique to you to help you teach children and and work with their families. Well, honestly, when I when I stopped teaching, I didn't expect to have this experience of having to find myself again because I lost my identity, right? So I was no longer a teacher. And that was wasn't difficult, but I just had to retrain my brain about how I view myself because that was in the past. So that was something that I had to deal with before I could even begin to brand myself is 
remember, like, what do I enjoy doing now that I have free time? What are my hobbies? What are my interests? What things am I passionate about? And one of the best activities I did for that was I had an awesome friend give me a resource that talks about finding your passion. And the first question on it is, what breaks your heart? And so that was the first step for me was figuring out, I know I want to work with families, but why? What is it about that that I'm passionate about? And then as far as branding myself, I just learned that I need to, as best I can, be viewed as an expert. So not only do I love podcasting and reading and doing all of that work with kiddos, but I also know that it's a way for me to be seen as an expert. Just like if you publish a book, that's another way to add to your expertise. Um, So I've done some public speaking. I've gotten out in the community and gone to some local schools and done some reading there. So my job is just, my brand is getting families to trust me. And I know that that takes time and I don't want it to be something that is easy because then I'm not really truly earning their trust. But for me, the branding is helping families see that I'm the expert. Not that I know everything, because I surely do not. And just making them see what my heart is and that this is something I really am doing because I feel it is my passion and my calling. And I think once they see that, it's pretty easy to get them to trust me because I'm working with their kids and that's a big deal. So I want them to fully know that I have good intentions and only want the best for them. Yeah. Well, and I think the homeschooling realm, like you said, is just a difficult one to tap into because even if you've homeschooled for, you know, 12, 13 years, like I have, it's, there's so many little tiny niches that if you don't feel that exact niche, you can't, it's hard to, for that person to see you as an expert in anything. So, so I really applaud you for that. I'd love to hear, I mean, we kind of talked about it with the paradigm change, you know, I mean, you went from, you know, being a teacher to, to branding yourself and what your, you know, your struggles going through that. But I'd love to hear maybe what you feel like your overall paradigm change has been with time and experience, you know, from the first year that you taught maybe to what you're doing now. Um, I, that's not, it's not an easy thing to answer because it's taken me a lot of time. But I think the biggest thing I've learned is that public schools have a place, I think, but there are so many options. And I don't think parents fully, I think they're starting to get there, but I don't think they fully understand all of their options. So one thing I'm doing next year is I have a client who is homeschooling next year, but they're contracting me out to be the one to do all of the instruction. So, and it's a family I've worked with in the past. So they trust me, they know me. It's actually a family I used to nanny for that I was talking about who kind of started all of this, but they don't have the time and the ability to be the ones doing the instructing. So they're hiring me to be the person to do that. So I get to choose all of the curriculum. I I mean, they're fully, completely trusting me with that. So a lot of people don't think they can homeschool and it might be, gosh, I can't do fifth grade math or I don't even know how to begin. I have a full-time job. And those are all completely valid reasons. But I think people need to be a little more open-minded about how that could come to be. So I guess that's one thing is just realizing through my own experience how many options there are. And now that I'm on the other side of things, I have a new perspective as far as parents go. So when I was teaching in the classroom, 
I didn't get to experience the frustration and the disappointment and the struggles that many families are having within the system. And now that I'm working with them and advocating for them, I'm truly seeing the lack of communication and the emails you send that don't ever come back and having a difficult time getting a hold of people. And so I'm seeing that and that is only driving me to continue to fight and to support these families who feel neglected and want to do what's best for their kids. And in a lot of ways, they're not getting the support to even be able to do that. So my perspective has shifted a lot as far as what the other side of things look like at home. And if I were to go back into a classroom, it would completely affect the way that I teach now, which in a great way. So that's been really interesting to see that as well. Well, and I think the system a lot of times pits us against them, you know, type of thing. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's where, how we always see the adversarial thing of homeschooling. Like my, my husband was doing, he was off at a scout retreat this weekend and some kid made a joke about homeschoolers and, and he was like, wait a minute, we homeschool our kids. Some of the kids on the staff are homeschooled. What are you talking about? Anyway, but I feel this, uh, like this really this pitted expression. And like I said, I mean, even within the homeschooling realm, there's, there's this adversarial relationship and I'd love to see it open up a lot more and that we can see that each person, each side has something to offer, you know, that, right. that there is definitely um, some ways that we can mix and become stronger because of it for sure. Before we go on, please listen to this message. In the past, I've talked about my struggle with severe depression. It has been a struggle for most of my life, and despite trying everything, I felt hopeless that I'd ever find anything to change my mental health for the better, until I stumbled upon Q96. Q96 is a daily micronutrient complex of 36 vitamins, minerals, and amino acids that fuel foundational nutritional support to your brain and your body at the cellular level for maximum results. And that is what I've found maximum results without the side effects of pharmaceutical antidepressants. To learn more, go to rbowman.myqsciences.com. Elizabeth Langs, educational consultant and podcaster. I'd love to hear maybe some feedback that you're getting, you know, with some of your consulting and stuff like that. How are you helping other people be successful? So just a little bit about like the clients I'm working with right now. I honestly don't have any true homeschool clients right now. They kind of come and go and truly are like the consulting side of my job but I wear a lot of hats. So one of the things I do right now is I am mentoring a 15 year old girl. So the family reached out to me and said that they wanted a neutral party. So (laughs) they felt like there's a lot of negativity in their house, a lot of arguments, and they wanted someone to be able to come in and say, listen, you got to get your homework done. Let's do it. So I see that girl 20 hours a week, which is a lot. I see her about five days a week. So I am kind of the go-between 
mediator, I guess you could say. Not always, but there are times when I have to kind of intervene and help with that situation. And then also I'm working with a seventh grade boy right now who is homebound. So medically he cannot attend public school. So he's missing, he hasn't been in school since October and he's missed obviously a ton of content. So I'm filling in those gaps for him. And on top of that, I'm kind of playing the role of bridging the gap between home and school. So mom works two jobs and I am emailing teachers and asking about missing assignments, asking about grades, all those things. So my role is different depending on which family I'm working with. But with the girl I'm mentoring, I'm truly not only a tutor, but a role model for her. And then with the seventh grade boy, I'm kind of the in-between communicator between home and school And then I also do virtual tutoring. So I wear a lot of hats. But yeah, it it looks different depending on the person and depending on the client. So if I'm truly consulting and working with homeschool families, it looks much different. And I'm mostly choosing curriculum and creating schedules for them and those kinds of things. So serving families looks (laughs) looks different depending Mm -hmm. on which hat I happen to be wearing that day. But my ultimate goal is just to help them feel supported and feel like they have a voice. And unfortunately, sometimes that means another person has to kind of intervene and say, hey, listen, I know that what you're saying is only part of the story. So let's talk about the full story. And one of the things that I do is I've gone to some IEP meetings or 504 meetings at public schools and kind of spoken as an advocate as well. And I went to a meeting yesterday and had to ask some questions that parents may not even know to ask. And unfortunately, there are some things that are kind of left out. So that's another hat that I wear is being an advocate and um, working with children with special needs as well. So that's just my goal is to serve families in whatever way I can using my expertise and my experience And that looks like a a wide variety of different things. Well, and I think it's awfully neat that you are using that uniqueness of each family to, I mean, that's why people choose to homeschool or to find other options is that they want something that's a little bit more tailored to themselves. You know what I mean? Like they're not just a cog in a wheel that's just going through the system. And then I think too, like um, you can serve such a great purpose for kids that have been in the system and now still have to have that accountability, but yet it doesn't have to fall on the parents. I find with teenagers especially I mean we find this even if you've homeschooled all your whole life by the time they start hitting their teen years it's natural for them to pull away and not want to listen to you as well as and that's not that's not saying that they don't love you or whatever they're just trying to find their own place in the world and so they start kind of looking outside their circle I mean that's why a person like you would be great because you kind of be that middle mediator that helps them, you know, work through their goals and then also the accountability to somebody other than <laughs> their mother that they, you know, feel like they need to find their own stepping stones for sure. So. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Well, I'd love to hear maybe more about what you feel like you've learned from mentoring others. I mean, you talked about now you're seeing the parent side of the teaching, but are there other things that maybe you've learned from that? I've learned that there's a huge need for what I do. Not that I can necessarily meet all of those needs, 
because my expertise is truly like K-8. So I am working with a high schooler right now and that's going well, but I don't have any desire or should not be like tutoring calculus. <laughs> that's not where I belong. So there's definitely a need for what I do and what I'm doing is just being a voice. So I've really learned this year, especially since it's my first year taking this on, is that every child and every parent deserves to have someone fighting for their success and their development. And unfortunately, that fight <laughs> shouldn't really have to happen, but a lot of times it does. And so I've really enjoyed being able to advocate, like I said, for families. And I've really valued spending so much time in people's homes and really becoming a part of their family and learning about that child as a whole has helped me to view teaching differently because as a teacher, you know that kiddos are walking in with all kinds of things that throughout the day, school may not be their top priority if things are happening at home, but I've never been able to see that. So now that I'm seeing it at home, I understand what children are taking into buildings and how as teachers, we expect them to sit and listen. But in reality, there are things on their minds that are way more important than school. Um, so I've, I've definitely learned how to see children in a wider view and as a whole child. And it's helped me how to adjust my own teaching to teach to their needs and their learning styles as well. So that's been a really valuable lesson. And from mentoring others, I've just realized like I'm capable of doing this. And when I took it on, I was trusting in my ability and now I'm gaining that confidence and learning that I truly can be this person. And even though it's a new feeling to be an entrepreneur to me, it's something that is also a confidence builder because not only have I refound my passion and my purpose, but I, I'm just a happier, more well-rounded person because of the work I'm doing. So it's definitely been me helping others and them definitely helping me right back. So that's great. What I love, I'm going to split this next question into two. First of all, I'm going to ask you like, you know, I, I can just see you being a huge assistance for teachers who want to get out of this kind of, I mean, you're already expressing how it's changed your, you know, your own passion and mission in your life. I'd love mm -hmm. to hear maybe if you could give them advice on personal habits that they feel would be really helpful for their success. You know, what is that? Are you feel like you're bridging the gap, like the pay gap? I mean, that's a big thing. Like if I were teaching, you get you get insurance and you get a nice salary and all of those things. Do you feel like that, that that's going to come where you're going to bridge that gap? Or I'm there right now. But honestly, one of the things that helped me big time with that was the reason I was nannying on the side last year was because I was getting ready to buy a house. So I bought a triplex. So I live in one unit and rent out the other two. So that's been a huge help because I'm getting rental income. Yeah. Um, and then on top of that, I, I knew that I couldn't put all of my eggs in one basket. So I knew I needed multiple streams of income. So not only do I have that rental income, which isn't significant, but it definitely helps then I do tutoring. I do the mentoring. This summer, I'm going to go back to Michigan for a little bit. And while I'm there, I can still do my podcast. I virtually tutor one girl. I still do that while I'm home. So to me, I set myself up for success in a couple ways. And that made it easier. But the scary thing is, I don't know what next year will look like. But I just have to hope that since I'm building this up, it's only going to continue to grow. 
So that's kind of how I see the future is I would like to eventually have a team of people because like I said, I'm not the person to be tutoring calculus, (laughs) but there is someone out there who can. And so it'd be awesome to have a team of people that I could match families up with that would be the best fit for them. So that's what I'm thinking for the future. And I've also recently thought about there's some franchises for tutoring that seem to have a pretty good model. So I've been thinking that that could be an option as well is to kind of take a little bit of the backseat, but still be running it. But have it, like I said, have a team of tutors that are working under me or with me so that it's not limited to just me. Um, I would love to have a team of educators, especially who, you know, have a strong basis of good teaching and all those things. So that's awesome. So maybe the lesson that you feel like uh, or the habit is to keep yourself open to multiple options. Like you're you're not going to be able to just come and pick one thing and then just go with that. Correct. I mean, you're going to have to keep yourself open to doing a multiple of things. Yeah. And being flexible. I mean, when I went first started this, I thought my clients were strictly going to be homeschooling. And honestly, I do spend some time consulting and doing work with homeschool families. But right now, that's such a small part of my job. And a lot of that typically happens in the summer when people are starting to think about homeschooling for next year, starting to get ready to do that. But just being flexible and knowing that this year was going to be a year of experimenting with how is this going to work? And I knew worst case scenario, the great thing about having teaching experiences, I knew like if I have to, and this, I need to supplement my income or it's not working out the way I expected. I knew I could sub. I knew I could nanny. All of these things are the benefits of having the career that I had. So I'm lucky in that scenario that I had other options if I needed. So I just knew I had to be flexible and willing to learn and just if things weren't going well, learn from that instead of, you know, being disappointed or whatever and just pick up my head and keep going and think about what I need to do next. So I'm very I'm a very self-motivated person. (laughs) So that's been a benefit, too, of being self-employed because I don't have anyone checking on me except for myself. So that's definitely been a new experience as well. But yeah, I just feel like this year has been a year full of learning and I'm looking forward to continuing that in the future and just getting better at better at what I do and helping families as best I can. That's great. And I really hope that you are feeling that teachers are really important. I mean, like you're saying in the when you're working in the classroom that you felt that maybe you weren't treated with respect, but kind of getting outside of that, maybe you're seeing the other side that people really do value an educator for sure. So I, I definitely think they do. It's just unfortunate that so many people have similar stories of disappointment. And yeah. so to me, I can relate to both sides because I can relate to teachers who are stressed, have a million things to do, and they haven't gotten back to your email. I totally can get that. But then on the other side, I'm working with a kiddo who's sick and he's home and we just need answers. And so it's just this fine line of the balance, you know, it's yeah. it's hard because I'm able to see both sides and empathize with both sides. That's great. Well, and I'd love to hear maybe, you know, we're moving into that summertime schedule where people are considering homeschooling. What do you feel like would be your advice to those types of families? And maybe what's some habits to start with that would help them be successful in that? Well, first of all, I think just finding what resources are available to them. So 
taking a peek online. There's tons of co-ops in the area that you live, I'm sure. Um, here in Chattanooga, there's quite a few. Just seeing what options there are to start asking questions. Um, here in Chattanooga, there's also a homeschool curriculum fair in July, and that's a great place to kind of start thinking about those things. You have an opportunity to sit down with different um, representatives for curriculum and ask questions, and there's always support if you look for it. So just reaching out to people who have experience for sure. With that being said, something I have noticed about homeschooling that is a little worrisome to me is because of that kind of reliance on other people, it seems like a lot of homeschool families take a lot of stock into what other families say work well for them. And so that makes me a little nervous because one curriculum that works well for your child is not necessarily going to work well for you. So I guess just taking it with a grain of salt, all the information you get, and then making your own decisions. What do you want homeschooling to look like? What's your goal? What does your child need? And then starting from there, it's a very overwhelming process and it's a full-time job. But for me, some of the things that I help, like I said, are creating schedules. So if you're not sure how much time in the day should be dedicated to math or science or reading, that's where I can help in. And I've, I've done that virtually with families. It doesn't have to be something that is local. So I would just encourage them to start seeking out options, seeking out resources, talking to other people that do homeschool, ask them why they do it, um, read, listen to podcasts. There's so <laughs> many ways that you can get that information and it's available. So you just have to find it and then take it with a grain of salt and create your own own idea of what you want it to be. That's great. Would love to hear, and and maybe you know this is going to change because you're kind of just getting into this. But I'd love to hear maybe uh, we kind of talked about your long term goals, but how's that working into the legacy that you hope that you would leave? My legacy, first of all, that's it's like a hard question for me because <laughs> it's such a big idea, right? Yeah. But all I would simply want, which is simple, but also a big goal, is just that I would be a positive influence in the lives of the people I interact with and that I could be of benefit to families who are struggling. So in their time of need, just that I'm able to be there for them and that they would appreciate that and that that's what I would be remembered for. And just being passionate about what I do. I lost that passion for a few years and now that I've found it again, it's the best thing in the world. I love it. And I would just hope that they would remember me as someone who worked hard for their family and for their child. Well, it makes life worth living again when you find that passion again, for sure. It's been awesome talking to you. I think you have so much to offer families, and I'd love to see your business grow as well. But before we say goodbye, do you have any final parting words for our listeners? And then give us your contact information, how we can get in touch with you and check out what you could do for us. Right. Um, I guess my parting advice would just be that if you feel unsupported, if you feel neglected, if you feel frustrated with your child's educational experience, that number one, you are not alone. It is not a unique feeling. There are so many people that feel the same way. And I would just encourage you to start having that conversation with other moms, other families, start seeking help any way you can and just know that if you're fighting for your child and for their success that that's always a good decision 
And if I can be of any help in any way, um, I'm happy to work with people locally in the area. I'm happy to work with people virtually um, and answer any questions that I can. So you can reach me. I have a website, www.elizabethlangs, and that's L-A-N-G-S.com. You can find some information there about the podcast. And you can also message me on there, and it'll go straight to my email. Um, you can follow me on Instagram. It's just at Elizabeth Langs. And that's where, once again, updates on my podcast and things that I'm doing. On Facebook, you can search me, Elizabeth Langs. And then I also have a Facebook page for the podcast. And that's where I post like additional activities and questions to kind of extend the conversation beyond just the podcast. Um, you can subscribe to it, start listening, check it out. And then you can email me. It's elizabethlangsconsulting at gmail.com. So I would love to chat with you and help in any way that I can. Or if you just need a listening ear, someone to talk to and kind of share your frustration, I'd be happy to listen. So That's great. Well, and I love what you're doing. You're trying to develop a community where people feel supported. And that is just so needed in our world. Yeah. You know, like we talked about, that it takes a village to raise a child. Right. And it really does. Yeah, and you're helping to provide that, and even to feel supported as a mother and as a, you know, as parents for sure. So, again, we've been chatting with educational consultant and podcast host Elizabeth Langs. Her website is elizabethlangs.com. I'm also going to put her email um, out there just in case you wanted to do a quick touch base, but you'll find all those links that she mentioned on our website as well. But thank you so much, Elizabeth, for joining us and helping to light our minds on fire on this really important topic of education consulting. I appreciate it. Thanks, Rebecca. I've loved talking to you. Thank you for listening to The Luminous Mind. To learn more about Elizabeth Langs, go to our show notes, theluminousmind.net. Be sure to become a subscriber to our free email list and help us continue production of illuminating content by sponsoring us at patreon.com forward slash luminous mind to get exclusive content. Subscribe on YouTube, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, Google Plus, Pinterest, and now Instagram. To help us grow, consider these easy ways. Tell your friends about us, leave us a review, share our content. Tell us how we can help you so together we can continue to light minds on fire and change the paradigm of education 